Hello and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch, where we take the time each week to engage every square inch of God's world with God's worldview. I'm beginning something this week that I really do hope becomes a resource for a lot of people because, um, quite frankly, we are all in desperate need of guidance in this area. Over a decade ago, my church, uh, Taste Creek Presbyterian Church, commissioned me to take a bit of a study leave to create a teaching series on technology in general and the internet in particular. Uh, At the time, the internet was rapidly taking over the world, and our leadership felt like our congregation needed help navigating uh, this new world that was upon us. Well, since then, the internet has moved from taking over our world to becoming our world. And so if we are going to talk about the Christian worldview in every square inch of creation, then it behooves us to engage every square inch of this virtual world that we have created. And so what I'm going to do is update and revamp my previous series on technology. When I, when I taught on it before, the iPhone was not out and MySpace was still hot, if that gives you any indication of how outdated it is. So I've been wanting to revisit it for a while now, and I think Every Square Inch is the perfect space to do that. So this is going to be a four-part series starting today. In this first episode, I'm just going to give a general Christian uh, critique of the internet as a whole, and then in the coming three weeks, we're going to look at its effect on three areas in particular, our sexuality, our relationships, and our minds. Those are the three areas that I believe have been dramatically reshaped by this technology, and so I'll go in depth with each of those. But today, let's let's start broader with an evaluation and, I suppose, a critique. What I want to do is begin with the Christian worldview of technology in general, and then narrow it down to the internet as its own unique technology. First, what is the Christian understanding of the phenomenon we call technology? In the most basic sense, technology is the word we use to describe what God created humanity to do. Here's what we read at the beginning of the story in Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And two things. First, we are created in the image of God. What does that mean? It means we bear his likeness, not not physically, but in our personhood. It means that we share attributes with our creator that no other creature does. This has many implications. Um, Humans do love. Humans do worship. Humans do morality. Humans do reasoning. Humans do uh, conscious decision-making. So many applications of being an image-bearer of God. But for the purposes of this discussion, I want to focus on one thing. Humans do technology. Like our God who created all things, we take God's creation and create things of our own. It's different than God as the creator because he creates ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. What we do is we take his creation and creatively form it into new capacities. That's what technology is. The creative inventions of image bearers of God who create like God creates. The second thing to note is that we are image bearers of God with a mandate from God. 
He creates us in his image, and then he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Essentially, the, the mandate is this. I'm putting you in charge of creation. God's image spread throughout creation, be fruitful and multiply, and ruling on God's behalf as his representatives, subdue and rule over it. Now, like I said in my podcast on climate change, we are accustomed to sinful dominion, which is inevitably exploitive and abusive. And so we have an aversion to the word uh, subdue or the word rule. But the original design was to rule like God rules, which would bring glory to God and good to creation. It would be the spread of shalom throughout the, the entire world. But of course, that didn't happen, and we'll get to that in a minute. But a crucial part of this mandate from God is technology. Technology aids us in the mandate. Technology, according to the original design, was intended to overcome human limitations to bring glory to God and good to creation. You see, you and I can only do so much good. As limited creatures, our capacity for good is restricted. But with the use of technology, the good can be magnified. And so the design was for image bearers who have the capacity to create like God creates to create in order to fulfill the mandate. The more we invent, the more we spread common good. The greater the invention, the greater the good. Okay, but here's where it gets complicated. For those of you familiar with the story, you know what happens next. Image bearers of God rebelled against their God. So now we are fallen image bearers, and this is a very destructive reality. Instead of filling the earth with God's glory and creation's good, we bring dishonor to God and harm to creation. And this is why technology is now a precarious issue. Originally, it was intended to overcome human limitations to do good, but now it is able to overcome human limitations to do harm. It can magnify not the nobility of humanity, but the sinfulness of humanity. And in the same way, the greater the technology, the greater the good. Now, the greater the technology, the greater the harm. Now, at this point, I'm, I'm going Wendell Berry on us. Uh, Wendell Berry, the prolific author, and we are proud to call uh, Bluegrass native, um, has popularized the thoughts of a French philosopher named Jacques Ellul. How fun is that to say? Jacques Ellul. Ellul is, um, is the most famous critic of technology's evil, claiming that our world is now necessarily plunging towards its own death because of our technology. Why? Because technology is overcoming our limitations to do harm. You see, if the Christian view of humanity is correct, and of course I believe it is, then we are not morally good, nor even morally neutral. We are morally fallen, meaning we tend toward evil. And I think human history has established a pretty good track record that this is true. And Alul would say that, therefore, our technology as an extension of human agency will likewise tend toward evil. Technology itself is value neutral, meaning it's neither intrinsically good nor evil. Instead, its morality is determined instrumentally. 
how it is used determines if it is good or evil. That's not a problem if humanity is living according to its design of bringing honor to God and good to creation. But it's a massive problem in the hands of fallen humans. And so Alul would argue that every new advancement brings with it new evil and destruction, whether intended or unintended. The makers of the iPhone, the makers of the internet, they did not intend to bring evil into this world, but Elul would say, anytime you introduce these new technologies and advancements, you are inevitably introducing new destruction. And the greater our technologies, the greater the evil and greater the destruction. Now we come to the internet as a technology. It is arguably the greatest technology ever conceived by the image of God. I mean, talk about overcoming human limitations. The power of the internet is staggering when you step back and think about it. And yes, it has been used to realize so much good in this world. But, and this is the key and perhaps the controversial um, contention, if the Christian worldview is correct, then it has been used to realize more evil and destruction than good. And yes, I say that fully aware of the irony that you are listening to this podcast via the very technology I'm critiquing. But again, it's, it's value neutral. The internet is neither good nor evil. Its value is manifested instrumentally, meaning how is it used? It can be used for good and it can be used for evil. But because we are fallen, it tends toward the latter. The internet has unleashed a level of destruction such that this world has never seen before. And in the coming weeks, we'll look at its, um, we'll look at its destruction in more detail. But before that, let's take a few minutes to understand exactly what makes the internet such a powerful technology that has taken over our world. I'm going to reduce my observations down to two. Two things that makes the internet an utterly unique technology. And it's this. Its use is boundless and its use is anonymous. First, it's boundless. The power of the internet lies in the fact that it has no limits. Outside the obvious physical limitations, meaning you're listening to me right now, but I'm not actually there. But besides the physical time and space limitations, the internet is boundless. And this is a major historical development for human beings who have always existed within natural limitations. Let me show you what I mean um, with some practical examples. I think that, that will help you understand. Consider entertainment. It used to be that entertainment was limited. If you wanted to be entertained, you would have to uh, go to the theater to watch a movie, uh, go to an arena to watch sports or a concert. Uh, you had to wait for your magazine subscription to arrive. You had to tune in at a certain time of the week to watch your TV show. Entertainment had its limits. No more. I could spend all day, every single day, the rest of my life on Netflix, um, Amazon Prime, YouTube, you name it, I could spend every day, all day, binging on stimulation. Entertainment is now limitless. Consider relationships. 
It used to be that there was a natural limit to the amount of people in my life. Uh, My family, a few dozen friends, your immediate neighborhood and community. That's it. No more. And there was a natural ebb and flow to relationships where um, as you moved on in life, some relationships remained, some went away. But now there is no limit to connectivity. Uh, Seven degrees of separation has been replaced by no separation. Anybody is connected to everybody. Relationships are now limitless. Consider information. It used to be that there was a limit to what I know. And if I wanted to know something new, I would have to go through the rigors of knowledge, whether that be research. Um, I have memories of going to the library or going to the encyclopedia to, to, to figure things out, or just simply asking someone who knows something that I don't know. Again, no more. Wikipedia has combined the collective information of the human species and organized it for your access in a matter of moments. Information has no limits. In all these examples, we're just talking about the noble stuff. It gets really scary when you get into the category of immorality. Consider pornography. There used to be a limit to pornography consumption. Um, A Playboy magazine, a porn video, um, even the adult cable channels um, from years ago were still limited in capacity. But again, no more. Now you could spend your lifetime trying to consume the darkness of pornography and never make a dent in its supply. Consider envy. There used to be a limit to the comparison game. You could envy your neighbor's house. You could envy the beauty of those in your life who were prettier. You could envy those in your life who were more successful. But envy was limited to a relatively small community circle. No more. Now Instagram has made it so that there is no limit to the comparison game. A a boundless world of people prettier than you, happier than you, more successful than you, and so forth. So I could give these examples all day, but I think you get the point. What makes the internet such a powerful technology is that its use is limitless. And if that's not scary enough, it's about to get real scary. Because the second thing about the internet is that it is anonymous. Going back to Genesis, what was our first instinct after the fall? It was to hide. Their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked and sowed lit fig leaves to cover themselves. That imagery symbolizes shame. Before, they were naked but had nothing to hide. There was nothing to be ashamed for. Of and, and no hiding. But for the first time, shame has entered the story of humanity. Shame at what they have done. Shame at what they have become. And that shame is a natural consequence of sin. And in this way, it naturally restrains sin. It's a built-in accountability measure. But the internet has created a world of no shame. It is the ultimate fig leaf, so to speak. It has achieved fallen humanity's greatest quest to hide. No exposure, no embarrassment. The old saying, have you no shame? Well, now the internet lets us answer that no. 
We have created a place with no shame. Sinful impulses for all of human history have been curbed by the natural boundaries of being known. But now we have a world of anonymity. And it has led to depravity beyond anything we could ever imagine. It is as if the hidden wickedness that for centuries has been bound by the chains of exposure has been unleashed upon our world via the dark cover of the internet. The vitriol of what people will say anonymously when there's no way they would ever say that to a real person. The perversion of what people will view when there is no way they would ever view that if someone was viewing them. The, the dangerous desires of, of prejudice and hatred that people are willing to indulge when there is no way they would go there if people knew they were going there. If you don't believe in the depravity of mankind, then consider what mankind is doing behind the anonymity of the internet. We are who we are when nobody is watching and now nobody is watching. And so our depravity is showing itself for what it is. I mean, what would be your response if your browser history from this past year became front page news? My guess is utter humiliation, which is precisely my point. We are enabled to behave in such a way that we would never behave were we known. And so... What we have created is a technology that is both boundless and anonymous. And that combination is a deadly combination. Do you see how powerful this is? And more importantly, do you see how dangerous this is in the hands of fallen human beings? So what are we supposed to do? I mean, even, even if I wanted to disconnect and go off the grid, I couldn't. This is the new normal, and I couldn't even be a functioning member of society without it. Well, that's what we're going to explore in the coming weeks of this podcast. Yes, we're going to look at the devastating effect of internet on our sexuality, our relationships, our minds, but we're also going to talk about how to combat that. But so as to not leave us hopeless today, Allow me to offer a principled way forward. Much like I said last week, when it comes to capitalism, the answer is to redeem capitalism. Well, when when it comes to the internet, the answer is to redeem the internet. Not to uncritically indulge the internet, nor to impractically protest the internet, but to redeem the internet by using the technology well. Again, Technology is an extension of you, so you determine its morality. It can be used for evil, but it also can be used for good. So how do we ensure that we are using this technology for good? Easy principle that, if applied, will do just that. It's really simple. Place boundaries on its boundless power and bring exposure to its anonymous power. You, with the help of your community, and that's key, you, with the help of your community, your spouse, your friends, your church group, whomever, 
You, in conjunction with your community, combat the internet's boundless nature with boundary commitments and the internet's anonymous nature with an exposure commitment. I'll use myself as an example to show you what I mean. And this is a good timing because even as I prep for this and even as I'm talking now, this is reminding me that I I really do need to recommit myself to the personal commitments that I've made. Uh, My wife recently called me out on how addicted I've become uh, to my phone recently, and she's absolutely right. I've I've been drifting, and I feel it, and I see it, and I need to repent. Um, So as I say these, um, these are the commitments that I have down in writing, but I, I, I am needing to return to them. But here, here are my boundaries to the boundless internet. There are certain times in my work day where I completely disconnect. I will literally put my phone on airplane mode, cut off and disconnected so as to make sure that my day is not overwhelmed and consumed by the boundlessness of the internet. And then um, my commitment that I was practicing, (laughs) but I've been slipping recently, is that when I come home, my phone is away until until the kids go to bed. Um, so I want there to be space in my workday where I'm cut off. And then when I walk in the door at home until the kids go to bed, I want to be disconnected. Those are my boundaries to ensure that I am not overcome by the boundless technology. And you need to come up with your own and get some accountability there as well. And secondly, I combat the anonymous power of the internet by choosing myself to expose my activity to trusted friends. I use Covenant Eyes. There are other options out there. Um, I recently heard good things about Accountable to You, Accountable the number two, you. Um, And these programs are all similar where they monitor your activity and send a report um, to people that you've designated so that they can see, certainly if they can see if there's any immoral activity, but they can just They can view your internet activity as a whole. Whatever works, but the key is exposure. The key is no anonymous outlet. So one of my life commitments is that I will not use a device that is unmonitored. Okay, so putting boundaries on this boundless technology and bringing exposure to this anonymous technology will ensure that you use this technology for good. And it goes without saying, but I'll, 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 it should go without saying, but I feel like I need to say it. If you are a parent, you place those boundaries for your children and you bring exposure for your children. If it is a screen of any kind connected to the internet, then they only use it during structured, approved times that you have determined. And there is nothing they do on it that you cannot see for yourself. This technology is too powerful to simply hand to children to indulge. They do not have the self-control not to be consumed by the boundlessness and the anonymous nature of the internet. Okay, that's 
that's enough for today. In the coming weeks, uh, we will go more in depth on the impact of the internet on our sexuality, relationships, and mind. But for now, boundaries on the boundless, exposure to the anonymous, and let's commit to using this breathtaking power of this image-bearer technology for God's glory and creation's good. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this content, let us know with a five-star rating and would love for you to leave a review. It really does help others uh, get exposed to this content. And we'll see you back next week for another episode of Every Square Inch. Every Square Inch.